Today on Truths That Transform. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg was a pastor out of Woodstock, Virginia. And in 1776, he preached a sermon uh, from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And what he said was, there's a time for peace, there's a time for war, now's the time to fight. Welcome to Truths That Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Rob Pacienza, President and CEO of D. James Kennedy Ministries and the Senior Pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. On this Independence Day weekend, we celebrate the founding of the freest nation on earth, the United States of America. On that July 4th, 246 years ago, our founder signed the Declaration of Independence, which did something startling. It rooted our rights and freedoms not in the pleasure of the government or in the benevolence of a king, but in the fact that each of us is created by God. This was not abstract enlightenment philosophy. This came from the many Bible-believing pastors who surrounded the independence movement. Our ministry outreach, Providence Forum, has produced a documentary called The Road to Independence. From that special program, here's a look at how vital church leaders were to the events that culminated on the 4th of July. One of the most important voices for liberty in the struggle for independence were the clergymen in particular the clergymen of New England. They preached liberty. Pastors were actively involved at the original part of leading to the uh, Declaration of Independence and to the uh, Revolutionary War uh, because it, were, it was pastors who were choosing to lead many of their uh, congregations out onto the battlefield. One of the earliest voices for independence was Reverend Jonathan Mayhew of West Church, Boston. He died in 1766, long before the conflict really heated up. After the Unjust Stamp Act went into effect in 1765, Reverend Mayhew denounced the king from the pulpit. His text was Romans chapter 13, written by the Apostle Paul. Common tyrants and public oppressors are not entitled to obedience from their subjects by virtue of anything here laid down by the inspired apostle. The king is as much bound by his oath not to infringe the legal rights of the people as the people are bound to yield subjection to him. From whence it follows that as soon as the prince sets himself above the law, he loses the king in the tyrant. He does, to all intents and purposes, unking himself. Jonathan Mayhew this is reminiscent of a phrase from the Huguenots, that is, French Calvinists, from a century before. Resistance to tyrants is obedience to God. This was a phrase Thomas Jefferson liked to use. Preaching on political subjects was nothing new to the ministers of New England. 
Elections were usually annual events, and before the ballots were cast, a minister would preach an election day sermon. There is probably no group of men in history, living in a particular area at a given time, who can speak as forcibly on the subject of liberty as the Congregational Ministers of New England between 1750 and 1785. Franklin P. Cole. The clergymen were disdained for the most part by the Crown appointees. The Crown also halted town hall meetings, a tradition practiced in New England virtually from the very beginning. But opposition to British tyranny by the American clergy was not exclusively a New England phenomenon. The Philadelphia ministers thunder and lighten every Sabbath against George III's despotism. John Adams. In those days, the church was kind of the hub of the community. The pulpit was generally not silent on issues related to government, since most of the colonies, at least in New England, had been started by ministers 150 years before. As conflict between Britain and the American colonists began to brew, Britain blamed many of the ministers for reportedly stirring up trouble. They even had a derisive moniker for these ministers, the Black-Robed Regiment, so named because of the color of their robes. There never was an official regiment of black-robed preachers, but the Black-Robed Regiment is the name that the British gave for these, what we often call patriot pastors, these pastors that preach patriotism, they found it, they believed in scripture, and so they were the ones recruiting the men uh, to go and fight, and they would typically preach in black robes on Sunday mornings. To the pulpit, the Puritan pulpit, we owe the moral force which won our independence. John Wingate Thornton. During the War for American Independence, some of the ministers provided pivotal leadership. An example is the Reverend James Caldwell, a Presbyterian minister in Elizabethtown, New Jersey. His wife was shot by a British soldier through a window as she was reading one day. So James Caldwell finds out about it, actually eulogizes her, and then he's off to Springfield, New Jersey because they're engaging the British there and the men that he's working with and helping to lead her in Springfield. When he gets there, they're in a mess because they've run out of wadding for their muskets. And of course, those old flintlock muskets that are like the ones here behind me, you had to have wadding to make those things usable on the battlefield to hold the shot tight down in the barrel. So he rides over to the First Presbyterian Church of Springfield, gathers up hymn books that are filled with hymns written by Isaac Watts, a famous hymn writer of that day. Goes back to his men, throws out the hymn books, telling them to tear the pages out and use the pages for wadding. So as they are shoving Isaac Watts hymns down the muzzles of their muskets, firing away at the British, James Caldwell, the Presbyterian preacher, is standing there yelling, give them Watts, boys, put Watts into them. And, and so it just kind of gives you a, an idea of the flair of these men and, and the great passion with which they stood for their liberties. Not all the ministers, of course, agreed with participating in politics or in the war effort. An interesting contrast on this point comes with the two Muhlenberg brothers reared in the Lutheran tradition. 
John Peter Gabriel Muhlenberg was a pastor out of Woodstock, Virginia. And in 1776, he preached a sermon uh, from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And what he said was, there's a time for peace, there's a time for war, now's the time to fight. He takes off his clerical robe. Underneath, he's wearing the uniform of a continental officer. He has an altar call and 300 men of his church and some of the surrounding churches come forward, kiss their wives goodbye, and they ride off to become the 8th Virginia Regiment. But Peter Muhlenberg was not the only preacher in the Muhlenberg family, even considering his father, because Peter had some brothers and one of his brothers was named Frederick Muhlenberg. His brother, Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg, he's pastoring in New York. He's writing letters to John Peter saying, you are getting too involved in matters which as a preacher, you have nothing whatsoever to do. John Peter writes back to Frederick and says, uh, well, you're a Tory sympathizer. Uh, the Tories were the British. And Frederick writes back and says, well, I cannot serve two masters. And he's, they're going at each other until the British invade New York and begin to bombard it and fires. And Frederick Augustus Muhlenberg's church is burnt down and his wife and kids have to flee the city. And he has a little change of heart. He says, maybe we do need to get involved. So he becomes a member of the Continental Congress. He becomes a member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. And Frederick Muhlenberg, who said preachers shouldn't get involved, actually is the first Speaker of the House of the United States of America and is one of the signatories of the original Bill of Rights. So what a turnaround Frederick Muhlenberg experienced. It was many of the pastors who chose to lead their men of the, their congregations onto the battlefield. And, and from what research that I have studied, many of them would sometimes leave on their clerical robes to make sure that in the heat of battle, they would know where their leader was. So the pastor literally was one of those leaders. John Adams in 1814 makes an interesting declaration. He says this, had it not been for pastors, the Revolutionary War would not have been won. Men like Phineas, men like Elijah, Elijah who slew 400 prophets of Baal. Thus, some of the ministers during the time of independence, especially the Congregational and the Presbyterian ones, played a key role in stirring America on to liberty. From the Kennedy Collection Library, we'd like you to have A Nation Worth Fighting For by Dr. D. James Kennedy. Is this nation worth fighting for? Is it worth my dying for? We'll send you this gift size hardcover book at no cost or obligation to you. Just call or write to us today asking for the book, A Nation Worth Fighting For, to get this valuable and inspiring resource for yourself. As you've just seen, the pastors of the American colonies did not consign their faith to a private, ethereal realm. They got busy and acted, not in spite of their biblical theology, but because of it. There is a strong connection between spiritual freedom and political freedom. And America's history provides perhaps the clearest example of it. My pastor and mentor, Dr. D. James Kennedy, explains in his message, the spirit of liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Our Declaration of Independence says that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty. Next to life itself, the most important quality 
desired by men is liberty. And of course, that is a constant theme throughout the Bible. I once mentioned to people that many don't realize that. You might even say that the Bible is about liberty. When you think about it, what is the Old Testament? The story of the fall of man into slavery, God's deliverance of them, their being taken into the bondage of Egypt, and God at length bringing them out after 430 years of that galling slavery, again falling into idolatry in their own land and being taken away by the Babylonians into 70 years of captivity, only to be delivered again, and all of this but mere foreshadowings of the great deliverance and the great emancipator, Jesus Christ, who came to deliver us from bondage unto freedom, from slavery unto liberty, to set free the slaves and those that are imprisoned. But liberty is something that we so much take for granted that we don't think of it too much. It's like the air we breathe until it is taken away from us. We are often completely unconscious of it. People go for days without ever thinking about the air that they breathe, upon which their life from moment to moment depends. Well, today we do well to remember that liberty and the price that was paid for it, those that struggled and fought and bled and died that we might enjoy something which we mostly take for granted, the liberty that we as Americans know so well. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If we ever are going to know true liberty as individuals or nations, it's going to begin when we are delivered from the curse of the law. The law kills, the Bible says. The law condemns. The law contains within it a curse. Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things that are written in the book of the law. Would you want to be cursed by Almighty God? Well, if you fail to keep one single point of the law, you are under that curse. Have you kept the whole law? I have. I'm happy to say to some of you that every jot and tittle in heart and mind and soul I have kept. Or to be more accurate, my substitute, Jesus Christ, has kept for me. He vicariously, in my place, obeyed every one of God's commandments, the only person who ever has. And he endured the curse of my breaking the law upon the cross. In his life, he obeyed it for me. In his death, he endured the curse in my place. And it's only in Christ that that curse of the law is done away. It's only in Christ that we are delivered from the guilt of sin. Christ not only delivers us from the curse of the law, and from the guilt of sin, but he also de delivers us from the dominion of sin. The scripture says, sin shall not have dominion over you. 
Now, many people don't think that it does. That's one of the interesting things about the lost condition. Man doesn't realize that he's enslaved to sin, and yet he comes to know it when he tries to find deliverance from it. How many persons who have thought that they really had no problem with alcohol until they tried to give it up, and then they found that they were shackled by that sin with cramping, galling shackles that they could not break. And every effort only met with failure after failure. What can deliver you from that bondage? Nothing but Christ. Ah, dear friend, how many people I've known who have found relief, found deliverance at the cross. They've asked to be set free by the great emancipator, and they have been set free. And they've heard that emancipation proclamation, sin shall not have dominion over you. Christ has broken the bondage of sin. Christ has broken the power of Satan to hold us in his thrall and to keep us under his dominion. And that's true freedom. That's where we really find the freedom of the soul. And that is the foundation of all national freedom. It is historically true that where the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone, where the Spirit of the Lord has gone, freedom has followed. Where men's hearts have been set free by the gospel, it has not been long before their nations have become free. And free governments have replaced tyrannies. We have seen this wherever the purity of the gospel has gone in this world. And those nations that are free today are free because of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we would know freedom, true freedom, that's the way we will find it. Many in our country today look upon religion as the enemy of freedom and even our ignorant enough, because our public schools have seen to it that they are ignorant of the true founding of this nation, they are ignorant enough to suppose that theirs are the views of the founders of this country. They do not know that George Washington said, it would be impossible to govern rightly without God in the Bible. Or Adams said, it would be impossible to, to govern without God in the Ten Commandments. So we have done God away from the schools in prayer. We've gotten rid of the Bible in our schools. We've gotten rid of the Ten Commandments. And we wonder why our country is becoming increasingly ungovernable. Unless a people learn to govern themselves, it is necessary that an external form of government govern them for themselves. If we will not be governed by God, said one, we will be governed by tyrants, William Penn. And that's the way it is. And when people do not have Jesus Christ in their hearts, they are in the bondage of sin, they are shackled with every form of immorality, unrighteousness, and ungodliness, and it takes an increasingly powerful external government to keep them from tearing society apart. And that is why either we have self-government under God 
or we will have tyranny, or else a nation cannot exist. It is turned into an absolute jungle. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And my friends, where the Spirit of the Lord is not, there is tyranny, and there is bondage and sin. Hi, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. You just heard my father explain that the Spirit of the Lord brings liberty. That's true for individuals, and it's true for nations as well. The founders of our great nation certainly knew that, and they drew a direct connection between God and our freedoms in our founding documents. But you'd never know it to listen to the secular commentators and the left-leaning pundits in our media today. They claim that America is purely a secular nation and that the founders wanted there to be no connection between Christianity and the government. Our public school system largely backs them up on this claim. And you know what? It's completely false. Yet this false view of history has been taught now to generations of students. Not surprisingly, our liberty has begun to erode as the basis for it has been lost. This week, we celebrate the anniversary of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. What better time to pursue the truth about America and pass it on to your children and grandchildren? We'd like to send you the book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage, as our thanks for your generous donation to help this ministry stand for truth and defend freedom. Did you know that our founders believed that a free nation was only possible where Christianity thrived? Or that our public school system was actually founded to advance the Christian faith? You've been lied to for decades. Now, find out the truth in this concise, readable book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we'll send you that book plus the DVD documentary, the Road to Independence, which you saw a portion of earlier in this program. The Providence Forum is an outreach of D. James Kennedy Ministries to revive American liberty. And executive director, Jerry Newcomb, has produced this new documentary as part of the Foundation of American Liberty series, which features experts like Oz Guinness, Eric Metaxas, Dennis Prager, William J. Federer, Jenna Ellis, and many others. Christianity played a pivotal role in America's push for independence from England. Pastors in the colonies preached so pervasively on the spirit of liberty that they helped create the United States. This is history that's being hidden from you. Peel away the lies and get to the truth behind the events we celebrate on 4th of July. We'll send you the compelling book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage, as our thanks for your generous donation. And the book, plus the new DVD documentary, The Road to Independence, which shows how the United States wouldn't even exist if not for the colonial Christian churches, as our thanks for your donation of $50 or more. As you give, you'll be helping this ministry with our many initiatives and outreaches like the Providence Forum, refute the lies of the left and reach out nationwide with the truth of God's word and the hope of the gospel. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll-free, 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.com. 
www.thepeopleofgod.org. There is a false but widespread idea today in America that pastors and churches are supposed to speak to, quote unquote, spiritual issues and that politics, government, and most other areas of public life should be off limits to them. We see this even in the frequently claimed separation of church and state, a phrase that never appears in the Constitution. In reality, that mistaken idea conflicts with both history and the Bible. Over the centuries in the church, a false divide slowly arose between the sacred and the secular, between spiritual issues and the concrete realities of daily life. But the Protestant Reformation did away with all of that and recaptured the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord over every sphere of life and that there is no line between the sacred and the secular. All things, from one's personal prayer life to the governance of a nation, fall under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So how should you put this truth into action in your own life? First, make Jesus Lord of all of your life, erasing the false line between spiritual and secular. There is no part of your life that should be walled off from the spiritual, not your job, not your entertainment choices, not your vote. In the words of the great Dutch theologian and statesman Abraham Kuyper, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Second, having erased that line, get active. In his great commission, Jesus told his followers not only to go into all the world making converts, but to make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to obey everything he had commanded. The founders of America knew nothing of a godless state where biblical truth was to be suppressed and excluded from governance. Quite the opposite. They knew that a self-governing people required religion and morality. The unbelieving world would love nothing more than for you to recede into a private spiritual silence locked into the church sanctuary. They're quite happy for you to apply your Bible to your own personal life as long as you don't dare bring it outside your home or the four walls of the church. But Jesus wants you to go forward boldly because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him and you are working for him. So vote, run for the school board, campaign for a candidate, give books and videos to your neighbors, donate to a crisis pregnancy center, write a letter to your local newspaper. Jesus is Lord of all of it, so make him known wherever you go and on every subject. Third, encourage your pastor and your church to also become active. This doesn't mean becoming a thorn in your pastor's side or his chief critic. It means encouraging him to drink from the same wells that the great pastors of the English Civil War and the American Revolution drank from. Wherever Jesus Christ's lordship over kings and nations has been truly believed and his word has been taught in its fullness, it has gone with explosive power bringing freedom and genuine justice. So introduce your pastor to programs like this one and encourage him to use his pulpit as the Black Robe Regiment of the Revolutionary Period did and teach and exhort his congregation to be salt and light, pressing the truth claims of Jesus Christ into every area of life. 
D. James Kennedy Ministries is standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. Thank you for being with us. And here's a look at the next Truths That Transform. Whenever religion breaks out, whenever revival breaks out, whenever people get God, get Jesus, whatever it was, whatever you called it, Franklin saw that crime went down, self-government went up. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.